0: and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This
1: is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio.
0: The Clinton operative behind the Michael Cohen circus this week. That's what we'll be talking about on the show today. Exposing Washington is the show on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us this Saturday afternoon. Uh, American Family Radio is the network. You can visit our website, afr.net. afr.net is the website. And once you visit our website, you can click on the uh, podcast link. And once you click on the podcast link, Scroll down about two or three podcasts, and uh, there's Exposing Washington. And you can catch up with the show there. Find out all the information about the show that you need to know. And uh, also uh, follow us on social media uh, there with all the links. So that's AFR.net. Click on the podcast link and then find the Exposing Washington podcast. One story I want to mention before we jump into Washington, D.C. news is... We're going to kind of step outside of the beltway for a minute and talk about Walmart. The Walmart Corporation, over Valentine's Day, ran an ad on Facebook, a video ad on Facebook, where two homosexual men were dating, were on a Walmart shopping date. And uh, and so they ran that on Facebook. And so that's what's, that's what's going on now. And so the American Family Association who's the parent ministry of American Family Radio, we have a petition out now urging Walmart to pull this sexually deviant ad from their Facebook page. Because after all, folks, we need to stop. As Christians, we, have to, we, we cannot allow the culture to normalize homosexuality to the extent that it, that it becomes normal even amongst Christians. We cannot allow that to happen. Sexually uh, uh, deviant behavior, such as homosexuality, such as adultery, such as fornication, etc. This is not normal. It's unnatural. And we cannot allow these major corporations like Walmart to just continually push this in front of our, our eyes and in front of our kids without uh, uh, facing some kind of resistance there. So visit our website, afa.net and you can sign that petition there to Walmart urging them to pull this ad from their Facebook page, to pull the sexually deviant ad from their Facebook page. You know, Walmart's actually done pretty good historically about trying to stay out of the culture war, trying to stay out of these controversial issues. But on this one, they completely dropped the ball and we must uh, let Walmart feel the heat here on this one. So, afa.net to sign that petition against Walmart urging them to pull this sexually deviant ad from their Facebook page you know we're going to talk about for a few minutes I want to talk about President Trump in North Korea Uh, actually news was released Thursday that he left North Korea without a deal for better or worse without a deal and we're going to kind of analyze this and see what this means for us Um, but I, I I would argue that this actually might benefit President Trump surprisingly You know, of course, it would be great if if Kim Jong-un and and the dictator there, who's actually a pretty brutal guy, you know, I don't like it when President Trump calls him a nice guy, you know, how they just get along real well, how he loves his people. No, this is a dictator. This is a sick guy who, who kills people who don't like him, who punishes people who don't like him, and allows his own citizens to starve to death. This is a brutal dictator. He's not a nice guy. Absolutely not a nice guy. Um, but I digress. This this move, when I said it might actually work out for the best, and, and the reason I say that is because it keeps the United States from looking desperate. It keeps the U.S. from looking desperate to make a deal. And I want to play clip two here. This is clip two. This is President Trump talking about how the North Koreans demanded too much when it came to the negotiating talks. Uh, This is clip two. Let's listen.
1: They were willing to denuke a large portion of the areas that we wanted, but we couldn't give up all of the sanctions for that. So we continue to work and we'll see, but we had to uh, walk away from that particular suggestion. We had to walk away from that. Will all the sanctions that are currently in existence remain, sir? They're in place. you know, I was watching as a lot of you folks over the weeks have said, oh, uh, we've given up. We haven't given up anything.
0: That's exactly right. That's President Trump there talking about how North Korea demanded too much and President Trump just wasn't going to sign anything when it comes to that. And that's, you know, that's actually refreshing. You know, in past past administrations, we've had presidents who are so eager for a public, a PR victory, if you will, that they sign on to these horrible foreign policy deals we saw this with Iran President Obama sent 1.4 billion in cash to Iran signed this horrible no good with no teeth to it a uh, nuclear deal with Iran and that hadn't stopped then they're still making nukes you know they're still making nuclear weapons threatening Israel etc uh, so President Trump he went against the, the waters here went against the current and said, look, if, if you're not going to give up your nukes, if you're not going to denuclearize, then I'm not signing a deal. I'm not signing a deal and easing up on the sanctions if you're not going to give up your nuclear weapons. So President Trump walked away from the negotiating table. And I think it was a brilliant foreign policy move. Because here's China right in the middle of all of this. Guess what's going on now with China? We're having trade negotiations with China. So this is all leverage, folks. For any of us to think that President Trump just lost in Vietnam, uh, talking to North Korea, we are deceived. This fella, the president knows exactly what he's doing. He's leveraging North Korea against China when it comes to these trade negotiations. And he's going to tell China, look, we're not easing up on North Korea until first off, you uh, cut a good trade deal with us. And then second off, Kim Jong-un gives up his nuclear weapons. I'm telling you, this is all part of a master plan. And... President Trump is smart as a fox. He knows exactly what he's doing. I wouldn't be surprised if he went over there planning to walk away from the negotiating table. I mean, these are not decisions that happen at the last minute. I would not be surprised if President Trump said to his foreign policy team, look, if Kim Jong-un does not completely capitulate to what we want, I'm walking away. I'm walking away from the negotiating table and the sanctions will remain. But North Korea, you know, I, don't, I really don't blame them. North Korea probably thought that it could push the U.S. to drop the sanctions. I mean, look, in past administrations, the U.S. has been so soft on North Korea. Now, yes, we've had sanctions. You know, yes, we've had tough talk with them. But overall, the U.S. has not really retaliated and punished North Korea to the extent that President Trump is doing. To the extent that President Trump is doing and I have, this is from the Congressional Research Service, and they outline here in one of these papers, and I'll post this on our podcast page at AFR.net, but they outline all of the foreign aid in decades past that we've sent to North Korea. You know, and the the thing here is, now, some of it's like uh, food for their citizens, which I don't necessarily disagree with but there's this other story that I want to point out and this is from newsweek.com this dates back to 2017 still relevant though newsweek.com I'll post this on the podcast page also but here's here's the question this is a rhetorical question did the US really pay North Korea quote extortion money for 25 years that's what President Trump accused the US of over the past few decades and it turns out, basically, I mean, they may, they'll frame it as some kind of foreign aid. You know, it's going to this purpose, going to that purpose. But for all practical purposes, the U.S. has paid billions of dollars to North Korea, despite the fact that North Korea is still a threat to the United States. And I'm trying to find the exact numbers here, but it's upwards of $4 billion. All right, here we go this is date the date of this yeah, this is bill clinton this was the clinton administration imagine that colluding with north korea here where's robert Mueller then so this is uh 1994 president clinton tried to sign a uh okay no i'm sorry here we go uh former president jimmy carter in 1995 went to North Korea trying to negotiate some kind of deal with North Korea. And finally, uh, eventually, President Bill Clinton uh, came along to the deal with with Jimmy Carter and North Korea. Why on earth Jimmy Carter was negotiating foreign policy when he was not the sitting president? That baffles me. You know, they talk about this Logan Act well, which is supposed to prevent U.S. citizens who are not office holders from negotiating with foreign governments. And here's, oh man, uh, Jimmy Carter in 95 negotiating with North Korea. But I move on to the point of the story. This whole deal with North Korea in 1994 and 1995 gave 500,000 tons of oil a year and $4 billion towards the construction of a light water reactor Capable of producing nuclear energy. That's what the US gave to North Korea. And guess what happened a few months later? North Korea didn't hold up its end of the deal. They kept developing nuclear weapons. So the whole deal fell through after we gave them the money. And then the the this story goes on and on about various aid that Uh, the United States has given uh, to North Korea. So basically, that proves my point. You know, we haven't been that tough on North Korea. Okay, we've been tough, but not as tough as President Trump has been. So for those who are saying that, you know, President Trump's a loser when it comes to foreign policy, doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know how to negotiate, he is negotiating much tougher, much stronger than any past administration that I can think of. Ronald Reagan would be the only one that might come close when it comes to the negotiating tactics but you know speaking of the media and how they're trying to frame this and i told you last week on this show i told you last week what the uh, what the media how they would try to paint this whole uh north korea summit they, they started out from the onset painting it as a loss for president trump before he even took off from washington dc headed to vietnam i want to play clip four here this is Jim Acosta. He's gloating about how President Trump lost abroad and lost at home this week. Let's listen. So, add it all up, Jim and Christiane. A very rough and rocky 24 hours of the president humbled back in Washington, humbled here in Hanoi,
1: uh, heading back to Washington empty handed. Jim and Christiane.
0: All right, well, there you have it. That's Jim Acosta. President Trump humbled. I, I don't know whether he was trying to say humbled. Let me look up, see if humbled is even a word without the b. Humbled, uh, but nonetheless, uh, okay. I don't think humbled is a word, so <laughs> that must be Jim Acosta's ac- uh, accent there. But it's it's humbled with a b, Jim Acosta, not humbled, like tumbled. Uh, that's a uh, uh, Jim Acosta said President Trump was humbled at home and humbled abroad this week, basically saying he had two losses. And he's talking about the the Michael Cohen testimony and the trip to Vietnam to negotiate with North Korea. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Democrats and the left wing media orchestrated this whole Michael Cohen circus to coincide with the the uh, the testimony to, to coincide with the summit. And it's all about a distraction. President Trump's trying to fight for our country overseas, trying to negotiate and make the world a safer place. And guess what the left has to do? Let's bring in Michael Cohen, the disgraced attorney, a f- former attorney for President Trump, and let's just have him, uh, let's have him rat out President Trump and all of his dirty deeds while President Trump is trying to negotiate on foreign soil. You know, I don't remember this in past administrations where we would where where half of our country would just bash the president while he's on foreign soil it's a pretty traditional standard to wait till the president returns to then start criticizing him for whatever reason but instead jim acosta the news media they just cannot wait they cannot help themselves but to bash president trump even while he's on foreign soil negotiating for our country but that leads me to this next point about this whole michael cohen testimony and you know the the lanny davis who's the attorney for michael cohen is also the clinton operative who defended bill clinton when he was facing uh impeachment and so, isn't this ironic? The Clintons, their cronies end up everywhere. The Clinton operatives are everywhere. I mean, the whole Brett Kavanaugh smear we faced a few months ago, that was all, that had that had the Clintons name all over it. That had the Clintons fingerprints all over it. And then you have uh, Michael Cohen, uh, whose attorney <laughs> used to represent the Clintons. Now Lanny Davis is representing Michael Cohen and, you know, this whole hearing that Michael Cohen participated in and tried to smear President Trump, which I think was uh, was was ineffective. I mean, it, all this stuff we've heard, all this stuff a thousand times. President Trump's a racist. President Trump's mean. President Trump talks mean to people. He's a bully. I mean, we've heard this over and over again. And I honestly don't care. I honestly don't care at this point. President Trump is fighting for the America America First agenda, And I really don't care about what he did 50 years ago. I don't care what he did 30 years ago. He's president now. What's he doing now? He's fighting for our country right now. But that leads me to this point, and that is this whole uh, Lanny Davis guy, this has the Clintons all over it. And to prove my point, I'm going to play clip five here. This is Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio talking about how basically Lanny Davis orchestrated this entire circus this hearing this is clip uh clip five let's listen
1: here we go your first big hearing your first announced witness Michael Cohen I want everyone in this room to think about this the first announced witness for the 116th Congress is a guy who is going to prison in two months for lying to Congress Mr. Chairman your chairmanship will always be identified with this hearing and we all need to understand what this is This is the Michael Cohen hearing presented by Lanny Davis. That's right. Lanny Davis choreographed the whole darn thing. The Clinton's best friend, loyalist, operative, Lanny Davis put this all together. You know how we know? He told our staff. He told the committee staff. He said the hearing was his idea. He selected this committee. He had to talk Michael Cohen into coming. And most importantly, he had to persuade the chairman to actually have it. He told us, took two months to get that job done but here we are he talked him into it
0: there you go that just shows how disingenuous this whole process is how disingenuous this whole process is and you know I've never been a fan of these hearings even when Republicans were doing it I think these hearings have no teeth I think they're all for show and I think they're a waste of time I genuinely do And here's why. The framers of our Constitution, the the founding fathers, they set up this congressional process for a purpose. And that is to hold people accountable. But Congress is a joke. Congress has misused this whole hearing process and they haven't taken it serious. It's a political show. Even under Republicans, it's a political show. I've said this over and over again. And here's why it's a circus. Here's why everyone laughs at the process because Congress has no backbone. Republicans have no backbone for, in, for the most part. And they bring these witnesses before Congress and half, the, half of the witnesses... Don't answer the questions. The other half answer the questions and they lie. But guess what? No one's held accountable. No one's held accountable to the answers that they give to Congress. And to prove my point, Andrew McCabe lied to Congress. James Comey lied to Congress. The former CIA director, John Brennan, lied to Congress. Guess what happened? Nothing. And as a matter of fact, a criminal referral from the Inspector General of the Department of Justice, sent. they sent a criminal referral for Andrew McCabe because he lied to investigators. And guess what happened to Andrew McCabe? Nothing, nothing. And then of course you have to remember the whole IRS director Lois Lerner she came into Congress remember they were targeting conservative groups they were slow-walking conservative groups from becoming members or from becoming entities and Lois Lerner came into Congress for a hearing gave an opening defense of her character and then said I'm pleading the Fifth Amendment which first I'm fine with you pleading the Fifth Amendment which obviously means you've done something criminal if you need to (laughs) plead the Fifth Amendment, but also you can't give an opening statement. That is basic. That's basic uh, order of business. If you're going to plead the Fifth Amendment, that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. My counsel has advised me to plead the Fifth Amendment. Therefore, I will not be answering questions today. Thank you for allowing me to come. But instead, Lois Lerner gave an opening statement and then said I'm not answering questions that's not how it works but guess what congress did nothing Lois Lerner left walked out the door never to be heard from again and never to face uh never to face the consequences again of their actions and so that's why this whole thing's a circus this whole thing's a show and and I, I really don't appreciate the process I don't respect the process because our congress uh, it's full of cowards, people who don't take their jobs serious. And that's why Congress's approval ratings in the single digits. And at best, at best, Congress's approval rating may get up to like 15 percent. Twenty percent would be high. Twenty percent would be high. But the left wing media talks about, oh, President Trump's got a 48 percent approval rating. It's the lowest this year. What about Congress? Why don't we run that for Congress every day? oh, no, because that wouldn't be bashing Trump. And we have to be always bashing Trump. Moving on to another topic, you know, we got the presidential election coming up in 2020. And, you know, there's and there, there's legitimate things to be concerned about when it comes to the 2020 election. And the things to be concerned about, the first one is how far left, how liberal, how socialist how dangerous the Democrats' party platform and their, pol- their their policy positions have moved just over the past five to ten years, just over the past five to ten years. And one example of this, I'm going to play clip three here. This is Congressman Julian, uh, Julian Castro, Congressman Julian Castro. And he's talking about how should the Democrats take the White House, take the white house they're going to declare a national emergency on guns and climate change clip three let's listen
1: i'll just say that uh... if i take office on january twentieth, twenty twenty-one, that i will come into office with a strong belief that climate change is a national emergency that the fact that so many people in this country die because of gun violence that's a national emergency the folks that the, the fact that so many folks Uh, still sleep on the streets in our country because they can't find a place to live that's affordable is a national emergency.
0: Well, there you have it. That's Julian Castro, a congressman there, who's actually amongst the, the plethora of Democrats running for president in 2020. And he says, if I take office, if I take the White House January 20th of 2021, I would consider gun violence... And climate change to both be national emergencies and that should concern us folks that should concern us and here's the thing I don't want to hear people blame President Trump for this I don't want to hear people blame President Trump for this because he used the National Emergency Act of 1974 to help build the wall here's the thing Democrats would have done this regardless Democrats would have done this whether President Trump used it or not. That's the thing we don't understand. That's the thing some people don't understand. Just like this whole 60 vote rule in the Senate. Mitch McConnell and Republicans go, well we we got to keep the 60 vote rule because if we're ever in the minority, then we're going to want to use it to block legislation. Well, here's breaking news Mitch McConnell The Democrats, the first thing they'll do when they get the White House, the House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate, guess what the first thing they're going to do is? Mark my word. They're going to get rid of the 60-vote rule. They're going to switch to a simple majority on legislation. And that should concern us, folks. That should concern us. Because here's a couple options that they could do if Democrats get control. They switch to a simple majority, and here's what they do. They pass legislation allowing abortion up to 40 weeks across the country. Or they pass this whole Green New Deal, $93 to ta-ching. Or they pass, quote, gun control legislation, which limits who knows what they're going to do. Who knows what they're going to do. And so that should concern us leading up to this 2020 election of what the Democrats will do should they get power. Should they get power. And it doesn't matter what President Trump does, what Mitch McConnell does, they're going to do their thing no matter what. Democrats will do whatever, whenever, to get power and to get their agenda through. President Obama showed that with this whole Obamacare thing. They rammed it through at midnight on New Year's, on Christmas Eve, and then after it passed, well, Nancy Pelosi, the night of, said we need to get it passed so we can see what's in it. (laughs) And so this whole idea that Democrats will take it easy on us if we take it easy on them, who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? It's the Democrats who want to put Christians in jail. Look at the baker. Look at the florist who won't capitulate to the sexually to the sexual deviancy agenda. Those are the same folks who want to put them in jail. Those are the same folks that won in the White House. Exposing Washington is the show. American Family Radio is the network. AFR.net is our website. Visit there to... To listen to this show and listen live to American Family Radio, we'll see you next week with more of Exposing Washington.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.